This is a HeadGum Podcast. Vulture's Good One Podcast is sponsored by Visible, a new phone service that gives you unlimited everything, including data at speeds up to 5 megabits per second on Verizon's 4G LTE network for just $40 a month, all in. Hi, and welcome to Good One, a podcast about jokes. I'm your host, Vulture Senior Editor, Jesse David Fox. And boy, do we have a fun one this week. Seriously, like, so last week's Late Night Writers panel was a bit of a tease as we had two Jesus and Mero writers talking about how great Jesus and Mero are. And now, this week, we have them in the flesh. And they honestly, seriously, rule. Uh, they are so funny and thoughtful and fast. Seriously, fast. They are so quick, we got through like two hours of interview in one hour. So it, it makes sense that the rise has been so meteoric. Less than six years ago, they hadn't even performed together. Hell, they hadn't performed at all. Instead, they linked up on Twitter years after first meeting in high school. But if you go back to listen to the first episodes of their early podcast, Deezus vs. Marrow, you can tell their, their chemistry is just magical. From their Deezus vs. Marrow complex show, they went briefly to MTV, to Viceland, to where they are now, starring in their own late-night show titled Jesus and Marrow, currently airing twice a week on Showtime, while also hosting their popular Bodega Boys podcast, and periodically touring theaters together. They will be in Miami, Austin, LA, Houston, and Dallas this summer. On this episode, we talk about the jump to Showtime, where for the first time they got support in a real way, able to hire writers and producers who won't necessarily give them words to say, as they're always at their best off the cuff, but give them structure and formats to pop off on. One of those formats is their hunt for an EGOT, the nickname for winning an Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. It's their version of a field piece in which they visit a musician, director, what have you, in the celebrity's environment to try to get them to help Jesus and Mero win some awards. First was John Legend, then Jordan Peele, and most recently Lin-Manuel Miranda. And it is the subject of this week's episode. We're going to start with the clip from the John Legend session, and then move on to the other two and whatever the future holds. So... Without further ado, we take you into the studio with Jesus and Marrow and John Legend. So full of shit! <laughs> so you're one of the rare recipients of the EGOT. Yeah! Yes! Now for those of us who do not know what that stands for, Emmy. break it down for us. Emmy. That's the Television Academy. Mm-hmm. Grammy. That's the Recording Arts Academy. Right. Oscar. That's the Film Academy. Mm-hmm. And Tony, that's Broadway musical. Oof, got all the hardware, man. Really? My man right here, he's been trying to get an EGOT. Okay. We probably should start the easiest one, right? Okay. Which that's, one's easiest? The Grammy. The Grammy, right? Oh, How hard is that? Obviously. Right? Simple. Yeah. You got one, right? I have 10 of them. So. Yes. Simple. Just light work. Right? It was like 20, 29 nominations. <laughs> <laughs> one of my passions is. Uh, um, Analingus, um, you know, which is the the eating of of, of your partner's butt. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Which is it's a cultural thing. Okay. okay. It's very cultural. As, okay. as Dominican man, shout out to all my fellow demons out okay. there. You know, you know how we do. You know what I'm saying? You 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 treat your woman like the queen that she is, and you satisfy her butt. You know what I'm saying? Orally. So like maybe something okay. like along those lines. It's just a complete. Mastery of that area, you know what I mean. Passion, you know what I mean. You have to please your queen. I feel like full immersion, full immersion of the tongue and the butt. Okay, you know what I'm saying. So you want to write a song about that? Yes. You already have it composed. I I don't. That's the thing. Like I'm starting from zero. Yeah, he he already uh, has. But you're like an artist, artist. Like you do it all. You feel me? Okay. 
Let me figure out what your range is. Hold on, let me get into like Bradley Cooper, Lady Gaga mode. Oh, no, no, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> what lyrics you got for this song, though? You got anything written already, or...? I was thinking about this. I'm gonna come out like... I wanna perform in Lingus. Take it straight to the hole like Porzingis. All right, he's uh, not even, he's uh, not even on a Knicks anymore. I like feel like, I feel like these ideas are cool, but like sometimes you want to say it without saying it. Um, I want to eat your ass. I want to eat your ass, you know what I'm saying? Boom. Boom. Okay. That's more subtle. More subtle? Uh, more subtle. Oh, I want to eat your ass like a John Deere eats grass. That, and then we got the whole Midwest covered uh, with that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, is there a euphemism for eating butt that you can use that, like, everyone will know what you mean, but you're not actually saying, I want to eat your butt? Okay. How about Chocolate Galaxy? Chocolate Galaxy? Yeah. 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 Like, you're in the, yeah, you like, wanna, you're just traveling yeah, through. Like, you're traveling uh, through space. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. What about rubber balloon knot? Because, you know, when you tie the balloon and it's... Yeah, I think I have an idea for you. Think like um, Barry White. Yeah. Save me to your chocolate galaxy. That's the only place that I want to be. It's kind of hitting. It's kind of hitting. Fellas, if you want to blow your lady mind, if you want to get ahead, eat it from behind. Yeah, yeah. Chocolate Galaxy, Chocolate Galaxy, Chocolate Galaxy, that's where I want to be. Chocolate Galaxy, hit him one time, Mary, hit him one time. Hey, uh -huh. Mom, let's put the music on smooth and the lights on dim. Damn. Damn. I'm LeBron with that ass mind, cause I'm going straight to that motherfucking ring. Uh -huh. When I take a knee, cause I want to get my tongue in your chocolate galaxy. Oh my god. Chocolate oh my god. galaxy. Chocolate <laughs> yeah. uh, galaxy. Galaxy, girl. And when I say galaxy, I mean Take me to your chocolate galaxy. That's the only place that I want to be. Fellas, if you want to blow your lady mind. Someone got a mint. <laughs> <laughs> I had a nice run. I had a nice run. Yeah, sad it had to end this way. You either getting a next Grammy or unemployed. This is no in between. No in between. Both. <laughs> we are here. Actually, I think I was going to introduce you, but you guys are so good at introducing yourselves. Would you mind introducing yourself? Yeah, what up? It's your boy, Jesus Nice. You know what I'm saying? It's your boy, Kimro, a.k.a. the Human Durex. You know what I'm saying? We are combined. We are the Bodega Boys. We have the most illustrious podcast in the world. We're from the greatest borough in the greatest city of the world. The BX all day. You know what Shout out. Eat a World Project. Shout out. Gunther. You know what I'm saying? 
East Tremont, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, King also, number one show late night on Showtime. Oh, that's check right. That out. That pays, 11 that's o'clock. Our, our main source of income. 11 o'clock every day. Every day. Except, every day. except if Wednesday if not, or Friday. Um, Monday or Thursday, just watch the just old watch. episodes. That's right. Also, check out City on the Hill. Um, Start giving bacon. <laughs> so I want to back up a second before we talk about the specific joke to just sort of give people some context. So uh, y'all know each other a bit from high school, but you reconnected later on Twitter. Uh, while you both were working jobs you didn't like, mm-hmm. uh, you found some chemistry, eventually got hooked up with Complex, uh, and then blah, 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 Showtime. Do you either remember any of the early tweets or early bits from the early days that you're like, there's a, there's something here? And what is that something do you feel like that's still there now? I think any of our earlier tweets where we just talk about really, really local Bronx stuff. And then people, the thing is, the Bronx has always had this really bad identity as like one of the worst boroughs. You never want to go there. If you fall asleep on the train, you end up in the Bronx, you're going to die. And there was the way we talked about the Bronx is like, we love the Bronx, we're proud of the Bronx. Like, we were always defend the Bronx on mm-hmm. Twitter. And people were just like, that's so weird. That's, and then, like, as we defended the Bronx and like we had pride in the Bronx, other people in the Bronx started like throwing Bronx Twitter and their hashtags and stuff. And people really love, because they would have these wild crime stories. Yeah. And that happened in the Bronx. We're like, oh, that's every day. That's it. It's like, yo, a mouse has held up a bank today. We're like, yeah, that's a regular Bronx thing. So people really gravitated towards that and latched onto it and they saw the chemistry there and also people don't know how big the Bronx is so they assume we live on the same block and we live <laughs> miles away from each other at the time. I feel like people that don't, aren't familiar with New York City think the Bronx is just like one set of projects Yeah, it's and like, we all live there. Not even like one right set of, Harlem. It's yeah. not even Harlem, one set of projects, yeah. it's one tower. It's yeah. me, yeah. Miro, yeah. J-Lo, yeah. Remy Ma, French Montana, yeah. we all and Ruben Diaz. Yeah. Yeah. I just like, hey, Cardi B, can I borrow some sugar? <laughs> You know what I mean? It's, it's very large. Fat Joe's a super. You know what I'm saying? He just comes through like, yo, crack, 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 crack. I'm like, nah, I don't need crack. I need I you to fix my it's toilet. There's cracks in the roof. Yeah. Cracks please. in the roof. There's leaks. My sir. baby can't breathe asbestos. Sir. So, by the nature of networks and budgets, Showtime has afforded you for the first time to have like a writing staff yeah. and a field production staff. How did you think about hiring people for you that, you know, at minimum would be more cooks in the kitchen that have their own techniques, that they have own spices? You know, what were you looking for and how do you know when someone is the right fit for y'all? As, as far as writers, we interviewed over and looked over 300 submissions. Because we were forced like to by Showtime. Because <laughs> like, originally the plan was to just take the money and run. It was yeah. like, yo, we're not making a show. But then we were just like, yo, who fits our aesthetic? Who gets our humor? And we found increasingly it was people we already knew. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, it was like our friends who we never really viewed as like, yo, you're, you should be a writer. And it's like, yo, Heaven, you're a, you're a writer on this show. Like, come over here. Yeah. And just, it wasn't so much the resumes or the packets they sent over. It was like sitting down in the room and talking to them. And like, you'd be able to bounce a joke off of them and they get it right away. And I remember there was one one packet and because you know our saying is the brand is strong yeah and so when, like we asked the person it was like the brand is they were like cool uh, and we were just like yeah you're not gonna be a pretty great they tested them you, yeah. you did not want oh we, you weren't like we should get one outsider really right like, no yeah, we want yeah. people who are every now and then somebody would reveal themselves like yeah i'm from queens like you guys you're yeah. like get out oh wow get out. oh you're from where okay cool that's cool but yeah no and then on the technical side it was just people with chops you yeah. know what i mean like uh, shout out to Andre who does the musical performances. Like he's straight from Chappelle Show, who like was super innovative in mm-hmm. that space. You know what I mean? And then just talking to other people who who are who know their shit. You know what I mean? Like uh, Ian Berger's like the field producer. He worked on the Daily Show previously, so he's like good in like those types of like you know situations where it's like yeah, we got man on the street, we got random. All these variables are occurring. Like. And he's able to like corral all that stuff and keep, you know, keep the ship. So you wanted to make sure 
the sort of mechanics of show can work so you guys can still be exactly, yourself. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And the beauty of it, there was no Jesus and Mero before us. Yeah. So no, there's no expectations. It's not like, yo, how are you guys going to... We didn't get the throne passed to us. Yeah. So the yeah. show is whatever we want it to be. And that freeform aspect of it allows us to just, you know, like we just... Last night we had the Schoolboy Q performance at the Jane Carousel in <laughs> yeah. Brooklyn. Does it make any sense? No. no. Did it come out great? Yeah. yeah. And we have that that ability to just like fly just whatever idea we have we do it on a monday meeting and make it come to life is it partly because i feel like i it's not did you guys didn't grow up watching late night so you have no reverence for a certain form no we actually no. did oh, because did? you have to remember at one point there was nothing else like 11 yeah. o'clock it was like yo late night time it was either that or watch the honeymooners in black and white sure so we grew up watching late night and it was just like yo this is late night this is late night throw on a suit house band monologue I don't know, maybe some misplaced misspelled like <laughs> news titles so when it came time, but then to get a chance to have a late night show was just like, is are we really doing a late night show or are we just doing a show that's on at night? Yeah. So that's yeah. kind of the aspect. And it's also gave us something to kind of deviate from because the TV doesn't need another boiler point yeah. late night show. Desk and all this stuff. So for the, the first EGOT segment, which was, I believe, aired on the third episode, but I imagine the idea or the production might have came up before you even started shooting any of the episodes. Yeah. What was the context in which the idea came up to just do these things in general? What were sort of the conversations around the EGOT? Well, it was, it was funny because it was like we didn't have the opportunity to do this previously, right? Yeah. So now we're, there's more budget, there's more room to play with ideas. And instead of just like pantomiming something out, you can actually go out in the field and do it. So like that would have been like just like on any other channel that we've been on, it would have just been like a back and forth between yeah. me and him. Like, oh, we're doing this. Ha, 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 ha. And now we actually had the opportunity to actually get in the studio with John Legend yeah. and make this song. And it was just like, it was very like impromptu. Like, I mean, he knew we were coming. Yeah. But the subject matter was very impromptu. Like, he didn't know what we were talking about, what we were going to be singing about. And I that think, was part of like the the uh, off the cuffness yeah, of it. That, it's that kind of starting an old show because someone mentioned someone had an ego. We was like, what is that? And no. they were just like, yo, they explained what it was. And we were like, we could do that. <laughs> like, if you really think about it, our career trajectory probably will end up sure. with the EGOT because, like, everything seems possible. Yeah. And so going off of that, they were just like, yo, let's just find some people who have won these awards already, and then you guys will talk to them and see how hard it is. And as you can see, it's it's a layup, and, <laughs> you know, very we'll, we'll probably get it uh, next year. Remember so, the 30 Rock episode with Tracy Morgan? We have the EGOT chain. Soon come. John, so did you had the idea that you got, and then did you reach out to John Legend, or sort of John Legend already sort of expressed interest? No, in we reached out to John Legend because we like he loved the show and they wanted to do something. And that's what makes it great. Like it's not like we're begging celebrities. Celebrities like yo, I want to be on the show. I want to just have me do anything. And it's just it's a chance for their fans to see them outside of their normal uh, situation. Like you never expect to see John Legend doing a song about eating ass, but we got him to do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so obviously the goal is putting celebrities in con like throwing things at them and see what they can handle and how they react and trying to end you guys are so good off the cuff. But how much is planned for a thing like this? Obviously, he knew that you guys were going to do some sort of song, but mm -hmm. what bits or what, like, did you go in being like, oh, eating butt should be the goal? That's yeah. literally told him that on the spot. Yeah, but you, that's like, you went with like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. all you that's guys That's all we go in. The song wasn't, there's no lyrics. There's nothing, nothing was written. Same thing with uh, Lin-Manuel. Yeah. Like, yeah. there was no, that's all off the dome. Why, why eating butt? Why was that the... That's near and dear to my man so, right but, here. Yeah, how did, what, were there other things you guys brainstormed? How did you land on like, yeah, that's... It exactly. was just, it was just because John Legend has a song with Rick Ross where he just sings about like traffic and drugs, but mm -hmm. it's John Legend sure. and he's so like wholesome and whatever. And it's just like, what, like what direction can you take John Legend in? Where like you know what I mean in How that same in that same him? vein you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean without him messing up his Disney <laughs> you checks. Feel me? That's so what we were like, trying to do. That's what we went and then also it was it's just very like, on brand for, yeah. for us. Sure, yeah. yeah. 
We talk about eating ass all the time. <laughs> when you're shooting it, what's going through your head? He sits down. He starts making up sort of the chorus, and it it is so good. It's so it's so. What good. goes through your head? You're like, I, was like, like, Yo, I was like, cha ching! Here comes this Grammy. Yeah. I mean, it's clear why the dude has ten Grammys. He was able to freestyle a song about eating butt on the fly <laughs> in about like ten minutes. But also, it's and so then much also fun. with, with yeah. the melody, so, like you're that. sitting there, you're like, "Yo, we are singing with John." Le- like, let's remove the eating butt part. We're singing with John Legend. Yeah. Like, look how far our lives have come. <laughs> and the thing is that it came out so great. Like to read the accolades the next day after it airs from like, Yo, when is this from, coming like, on Variety, iTunes? Yeah, yeah. Rolling Stone. And it's just like, yo, we created that. That's just an amazing feeling. I like to ask this question for people who improvise a lot. And, and you know, you that's so much of what you guys do, especially with the riffing. But when you're, like, really in it, what's sort of going through your brain? In so much as there's sort of two people, it seems like there's people who improvise and their brain is blank. They're mm-hmm. just sort of all reacting. Or there's people who, when they're improvising, they're like Neo in the Matrix and they sort of, like, see, every, like, their senses are super heightened. They Everything's sort of in slow motion. I think, you know what? It's not, it doesn't really seem like improvising for us because yeah. this is what we do. Like, you can ask uh, Sherry, our PR person. This is what we do all day, 24-7, yeah. to the point where if you ask people like Sherry, they're probably sick of it because we don't, it's not an act. We don't turn yeah. it on and off. Like, we'll just be in the car improvising for like we didn't know that was improvising in the Bronx it's just like you, know, yeah. you had to have an imagination uh. and that's how you just entertain yourself and it's it's not so much improvising as 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 like you just see something and it'll spark something yeah. and yeah. and then the ball starts rolling downhill like the like you know that broom in the corner like yo who's the guy that oh Julio the maintenance <laughs> man left that broom there then you go into a Julio impression and, blah, 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 and then like it's just like all trickles down you know is it different when you're starting to put yourselves in different contexts to do that, not like opposed to when you're sitting down and you know TV, you have to sort of have clear ins and outs. But mm-hmm. even this, it's like a a piece, so you know it's going to be shorter. And it's like, is it? Are those techniques a little bit different when you're in one of those? Are you are you a little bit more goal oriented? You know, what? it's not so much goal oriented because that's kind of not our job. Our yeah. job is like, yo, we're giving you the product. The editors have to like cut it down for the runtime because we're never like, yo, we got seven minutes, let's hit three jokes. It's like, no, we're gonna record for twenty minutes. <laughs> Your job now is you have to find the seven funniest minutes in it. And we always get the editors like, I couldn't choose. Or like, I wanted to leave this part in. I wanted to leave that part. It's about a natural flow and progression and having artificial time restraints and like that clean start and clean finish. That's not natural. And like sometimes, you know, you get frustrated because our starts are not clean or like we'll fumble words. But you watch it and you're like, this is authentic. This is real. And it's not the most polished thing, but I enjoy it. A couple weeks ago, I had a... I did a writer's panel, the 90 Second Free Y, which uh, listeners of the podcast probably just heard. And we had two writers on. And Josh, Josh Gondelman, who's one of your producers, Shout was, to Josh. was saying that like so much happens in the edit, especially with the riffing. You guys will go for forever. Mm-hmm. And then you guys are essentially like rewriting the show. Um, how involved are you in editing for a thing like this where it cuts a sort of soft lighting and then there's a tongue spaceship that flies yeah um is that are you guys involved in that process at all yeah yeah top to bottom it's like we get like every step of the editing process is like shown to us you know either via link or in the The office you know what i mean like hey i don't like this part or what happened here that jump was a little rough that kind of thing because at the end of the day yeah other people were editing it but if we put out whack product no one's gonna be like yo fire your editors they're gonna be like these and stink so the the clip it at one point it shows Mero you reading off of a phone. So did you once you knew you were going to do a verse, did you write that part down, or is it sort of just the? Were you I, was just, to read I was just pretending. Yeah, <laughs> I was just pretending to fit. Yeah, no, I didn't drink it. 
let's see if you can remember what was going through your head. Uh, the, the, your main line was, uh, let's put the music on, smooth with the lights on, damn. And you rhyme damn with, I'm like LeBron with that ass ma because I go straight to the motherfucking rim. Rim, that's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. What that's do you right. like about that? What do it's, you What do you guys like about that? It's like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like when I when I deliver analingus, it's like, it's like LeBron James. You know what I'm saying? It's like, the top of the top, the greatest of all time. You know what I'm saying? Versatile. Versatile. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The vision. I know where I want to go. You know what I'm saying? And I just get right to the rim. You know what I'm saying? And I and I and I dominate. So I guess in contrast, how how are you like Colin Kaepernick? <laughs> I'm like, listen. I feel very strongly about analingus, and I'm willing to jeopardize my job in order for other people to have the rights to enjoy it. All right. <laughs> I think we learned a lot. <laughs> uh, so at that point, you did it. You added. You're like, we're definitely going to keep on doing these. Mm-hmm. Like, did you know it worked? Yeah, like, you what? know what? We like within maybe five minutes of recording it, we were just like, yeah, we yeah, got this it. is going to be got it. It, That always happened. Like, there's never we're never on production and we're never shooting something. We're just like, eh. Like, you either know right away <laughs> yeah. if it's a, it's a banger or not. Yeah. And right away, we knew that was going to be great. And we always planned to continue the EGOT series. Yeah. So we knew we had to just keep going. Yeah. And the fact that John Legend was, like, everybody that's participated so far, like Lin-Manuel, uh, John Legend, uh, Jordan. Jordan Peele, like they were all such good sports. So it's like when they are into it and you're into it, you get a much better uh, finished product. Also, when other celebrities see like Jordan Peele and Lynn, they're like, "How do I get on this? How, yeah. This is so cool!" Like uh, Anna Kendrick, who we had on, which wasn't for an EGOT thing, but she was just like, "Yo, I saw your show and I was like, how I got to be on there?" Yeah. So how can just, I do something that actually seems makes me seem like a fun person? A fun person, and they yeah. they have fun doing it. Like yeah. again, her, she was with us for eight hours filming, not one complaint. That is so long. Yeah, because it's like a five minute clip. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Your editors had to edit. An eight-hour documentary. In it was. Oh, you, you learned a lot about the Bronx that day. This is like a normal afternoon for you guys. Yeah. But you thought here would be the place to bring me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what do you usually do on your days off? I made my own marzipan uh, like a week ago. I made a, I made a quiche the other day and I fucked it up. Oh I was, no. I was mad sad. Yeah. yeah. Are you not um, chilling in the booty shake club? No, I mean, I guess it's just kind of like I'm at home, Netflix. I'm usually like organizing something. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. go to the container store. Yeah. Your pop star? Pop star? That's what they call their frequent customers. What? Yes. Are you not getting 20% off? No, every I, month? I never signed up for the membership thing. Should I be? That's what you fucked up. That's okay. what you fucked up. You only drop front shoe boxes I buy a month? Oh, God. This is why I'm hanging out with you. So the Jordan Peele one comes up. Obviously, it'd be movies. What sort of the planning for, for that one? Because obviously, clear some things were prepared. Right. You, Okay, so the editor, that one was more with the writers, and it yeah. was like, let's come up with the premise for some fake movies, and they made those great posters. But other than that, it was just like, they just gave us the titles for the movies. Yeah. Like, yeah. we came up with the premise for the movies ourselves. The plot lines, plot lines and all that type of stuff. Yeah, but they, but the shout out to the graphics department, because they freaked those posters, man. They were great. So uh, I want to run through uh, some of the movies and see how, you, how they came up, what you like about those ideas. So the first one was... Ultimately, what is a horror movie based on your lives, which is, I guess the title would be Spooky Bucks. Spooky Bucks, <laughs> yes. Bugs. Yeah. Haunted Money. Ooh. Ooh. Did that, was that one you just riffed there? Riffed yeah, off the top of it? Because you know top, what? Yeah. If you see it, we're just literally telling our life story. Yeah. He's not impressed. And at the end, I just do it. The, money, the money's haunted. haunted yeah. oh. And he's still not impressed. He's, like, yeah. he's, still not impressed. he's like, fam, I made, I made Get Out. Like, you got to really impress You got to come harder than that. So here's our first movie. It's two males from a borough in New York City. Mm-hmm. Highly attractive, both minorities, yeah. both children of immigrants. Mm-hmm. They get a show off of their podcast. Mm-hmm. 
and then they just spend the money that they get from the company that produces this shit. You feel me? But the money's haunted. Yeah. Boom. See, you didn't think I was gonna clean it up at the Stop. end. You said the money's haunted. Yeah. The money's haunted. Anything bucks. they buy. Does the money that's haunted it, it buys you like poor, bad products? Or? No, it's like regular shit, like it's good regular, shit. Uh-huh. But then it turns bad. Yeah. Like I buy a pack of Newports and I get cancer. Mm-hmm, that's you know real I mean? life. That's not that's, haunted. I mean, that's, well, that's scary. You ever seen a commercial with the guy? I used to love to swim. Now I yes, can't swim that's, anymore. That's, that's pretty terrifying. That shit was mad scary. That was. Scary. Uh, was the Baby Shark one also something? They right on the spot. But also at the time, Baby. Baby Shark was really hot. It was super hot. Yeah. So it was one of those, it was just in the back of our head. And we <laughs> so knew, hot. and it's funny, his key, his wife, shout out to Chelsea, they had, before the interview, she came down with their son. Oh. So we were just like, oh, we were had talking to him. We were just like, you, you know, listen to Baby Shark. He's like, God, I hate that song. Yeah. So right there, it's like, And I imagine it. you're listening to it. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> I'm glad I don't have Alexa in my house, is all I could say. They'd just be yelling it out. Because my nephew literally just says, Alexa, play Baby Shark. Right. How about this? Horror movie, right? Okay. Remember Jaws? That was terrifying, right? Jaws was Classic. scary. Terrifying. Classic. So it's like kind of in a similar vein. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now you're swimming. The right? opening scene, lady swimming. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. just chilling, swimming. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then she just hears it like... Baby shark You know what I'm saying? She's like, oh shit! It's a baby shark. And it's preloaded with sequels, bro. You know what I mean? Because Baba Shark. Boom, I mean, shark. Grandpa shark. Bada bang, Baba Duke. Hey, it's uh, you know, it's like a uh, cross between uh, the Babadook and uh, you know the guy uh, or the you know the sky here, in, uh, the Sopranos, sky right here, you know. So if a bunch of these are essentially puns, what is your feeling about puns? You know what, puns are cool, but they lend themselves for the visual poster, yeah. right? So that's cool. But like, we're not listen, we're not Sex in the City, we're not doing a pun every two lines. Yeah. Though I feel like the title cards are the of each segment have puns in. Sometimes. Uh, oh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. You know what? That's Those just to give you an visual. idea. That's for the visual. That's yeah. not for us. Yeah. That's for y'all. That's for, yeah. yeah, that's for the audience. It's like, yo, you, this might give you a clue as to what you're about to see. You know also, what I'm saying? a lot of our audience is just like, you guys talk way too fast, so they can use that to kind of get context. Yeah. Like, I, I, I guess. It's like a two-word synopsis yeah. of what they're about to see. So uh, the, the, the main one was suck my dick from the back to the future. Yeah. <laughs> suck my dick. Yeah, suck my dick from the back to the future. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, it, boom. It's a catchphrase. It, it feels like a porn take on... I'm back to the future. Wait, suck my dick is like hello in the Bronx. Yeah, that's like oh, regular everyday yeah. slang. No, like, the rest, the, like yo, how you doing? Like, suck my dick. No, you know that, what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's gonna be rated X out the gate. Like, I don't even know who's doing the dick sucking. Who's clearly I'm getting my dick sucked. You know what I mean? Because I'm like the star by like, himself gotta, in the future. You know what I yeah, mean? Wow. By himself. I don't know that that is, I don't know that that is clear. I see you looking at his watch. Like, oh wow, like, oh, what time it's is not it? the time I left. Yo. Time to get my dick sucked from the back. Okay, I thought the poster wasn't working. Ah, you see, you coming around on it. So when you heard that. Because that one then it gets built out to more. Why you're like this is exactly this is going to be our big one. What was why was that one perfect for you? It's just such it like something from the back has become such a thing, and it's just like. It's such an easy visual, the yeah. idea of him in the DeLorean. You know what I mean? Like, like, yo, hey, suck my dick from the back to the future. You know what I mean? Like, uh, wow, whoa. Because in that movie, Martin McFly almost has sex with his mom, which is really bizarre and creepy. You know what I'm saying? And nobody ever talks about that. You know what I'm saying? So we had to we had to bring, speak truth to power. So in that case, the power is, is Marty McFly. Is Marty McFly, McFly having sex with Molly, not Molly Shannon. What was it? Molly Ringwald? Who was his mom in that movie? No, it was, was uh, Leah, Leah Thompson. Thompson. Yeah! <laughs> from uh, Carolina. Did I in first? From Carolina the City. Yeah. Right? Wow. Shout out to, what? That's a reference. Yeah. Carolina the City was my like New York show. I was like, <laughs> I want to live in Carolina City. Well, um, but speaking of references, I was... 
in that same thing, Josh was saying how he was amazed at sort of the breadth of your pop culture knowledge. Yeah. What was your sort of like life of consuming pop culture life? I learned how to speak English watching TV. And like uh, before I went to school, like I never spoke English in my house. Like my parents spoke strictly Spanish. Like I lived in a house with 20 Dominicans. So all we did was speak Spanish. So I spoke English by watching TV and like talking to friends outside and stuff like that. And I picked it up and now I speak English with no accent. Wow. What a miracle. <laughs> yeah. I used to just devour books and magazines. Like yeah. as a child, I, I used to love going to the library. And then when I worked at the library, like you, I was one of those people that would check out the books for you. So you'd be there for an hour. So in order, and you know, like the library is just like dead time. You have yeah. nothing to do. So I'd like grab a stack of periodicals, like New York magazine and just turn through them. And I'm just like, what, is, what the hell is hummus? Like I'm just thinking <laughs> in the Bronx, like I was like, GQ, people pay $500 for sweaters. This is insane. Yeah. But just picking up these little references. And it's funny, we had a meeting this morning and out of nowhere, I was just like, wasn't there a play about a kid that was really good at pinball named Tommy? <laughs> Everyone was like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I don't know why that just came in my head. But See, it's not even things that you might not even know why you know the references. You're just right. sort of like, they're just I'm there. It's knowing. just like osmosis. It's yeah. just like there was NBC had a short run uh, procedural called Bad Boys in like the 80s that was with Dick Wolf and it ran for six episodes. And I saw all six episodes and I Googled it. Even Google was like, yo, fam, how do you know this? What do you, what do you, it was like, yo, go ask Jeeves. I don't have this. Dick Wolf was like, yo, chill. Don't, don't ever bring that up again. He forgot about it. Right. He's like, don't. Don't bring it yeah. up. Don't bring it up. And Don't my mom was up. a teacher. She was obsessed with like me like reading constantly. So she got a subscription to Time Magazine when I was like six and would make me read it. And yeah. I like literally read it. And it's funny because I used to read this is guy, Joel something, who used to Stein. Stein, who who used to do like their op-ed shit. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Joel. Like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> we're the, like, yo, that's oh, like me. Wow. Like we have the same name. That like, is a big oh. win for Joel Stein. Shout out wow. to Joel Stein. Yo, you got me into writing. Or we'll be right back with Jesus and Mayor after this word from our sponsor. Let's take a break for a second from the comedy to be so very serious. Look, if I know you, which I do, I know you've been frustrated with your phone service. We've all been there. So I've got some honestly pretty cool news for you. There's a new phone service out called Visible. Long story short, you got unlimited everything, including data at speeds up to 5 megabits per second on Verizon's 4G LTE network for, dramatic pause, 40 bucks a month. Dun, dun, dun. There are no annual contracts, no hidden fees, and no stores. That's right, you never have to walk into a phone store again. Thank God I hate stores. Learn more at Visible.com. So the Lin-Manuel Miranda one, how do you guys land on the bit of Baby Ruth the first? That's minute? a running joke that he's been doing forever, <laughs> and we just constantly reference it. And it's we sometimes bring it up when we go on sports shows, and uh, people are just like, what? what? So, you know, it's part of the brand. So just the idea, you know, Lin-Manuel, Hamilton, it, it, it just lends itself. Uh, yeah. It was perfect. A historical, you know, hip-hop piece. How, yeah. when, I guess when when you first, as a running joke, where did it, was it just something you made up, and then so, you looked at his face, and you're like, I guess he kind of looks like We're at MTV. <laughs> And we're just kind of like hanging around in the office, like not doing much, because we had we were on one show and it was once a week, and we like, but we were required to be there five days a week. Yeah, yeah. So like, it was, it was like a, a lot of downtime. Yeah. So like, <laughs> I'm just like fucking around on Twitter one day, and I just like took out a notepad and I wrote, 
Babe, Babe Ruth, this is to confirm that I, Babe Ruth, am Dominican. And <laughs> signed by the president of Dominican Republic, yeah. Rob, Robinson Cano. And then I put it on Twitter and I was like, yo, I told you, I Babe Ruth is Dominican. And if I you told listen you. to one of our earlier podcasts, we actually <laughs> act out this whole bit of Babe Ruth integrating baseball. And like, mm-hmm. there's he gets to his locker and there's like a noose around the plant in. It's like, oh, it's super dark. And so when we had the chance with Lynn Mel, they was like, what do you want to pitch him? It was like, it yo, gotta be Baby. Baby Ruth. Baby Ruth. Baby Ruth. <laughs> And now the great thing, if you Google Babe Ruth Dominicate, all the links are like to our show. We completely messed up the algorithm. Um, and then the Jackie Robinson part. Did you guys plan that? The part? writers threw that in. Yeah. Because that, that's just funny. That's just. It's Jack just like, Robinson. yo, Jack, like 30 years. And I think one of the lines in the piece is like, 30 years later, when you enter the league. Yeah. <laughs> it's Whatever. just so over the top that yeah. it's, it's just goes. Because if it wasn't Jackie Robinson, I probably would have been like Derek Jeter. <laughs> like, shh, I'm secretly Puerto Rican too. Don't tell him. <laughs> What else do you remember from that day of stuff you improvised of of those all those songs or whatever? Oh, it was just um, just riffing with Lin Manuel the whole bit about me being yeah. a mother, and then he was you know pointing to his home run and singing how he's a proud Dominican yeah. and and do and the, the code switching with I'm gonna hit it over there. Yeah, I'm Babe Ruth. I'm white. I promise. <laughs> and like just uh, being on. You know, we've never like sung or anything, but being on, we were really hamming it up and like yeah. really extended bravado. <laughs> yeah. and everyone was like, "Wow, you guys are." There was like a little soft shoe at one point. It was, <laughs> it was a lot going on. Shout to Limado because he like he set it up. He was just yeah. like, "Okay, he just kept going. Give, with give it. me your first. He's like, "This is your introduction to the world. You're introducing people to the world." Like, so he's doing like the yeah. direction and just and we're just like going. And even when we're riffing, he's just riffing on the keys, yeah. on the piano the whole and stuff. Yeah, it was great. I love it. So, what's the first major obstacle? Babe Ruth's faces, baby faces. They think that I am a white boy. <laughs> Pero Dominicano soy. This is fucking great. <laughs> We're going straight to Broadway. Biggest thing in baseball. That's if right. you want it. That's right. It's all mine for the taking. That's right. The whole platano. All of it, all the mango. It can all be mine. Listen, no one can stop you. I just have to realize the power I have inside myself. As Jackie Robinson, I hope you're there when I eventually arrive yeah. to the thing. Thank you. Whoa! Oh, what is this? Oh, hey, what oh, happened? Oh. Are you doing this? Why would you why the way you do this? Those are weird bananas. Yeah. They're called platinos. We don't care what they're called. You yeah. guys don't belong in this game. That's right. You guys should do yourselves a favor and leave this game to the power hitters. Yeah, the white power hitters. You know what? You can throw all the platins you want. Yeah. You cannot stop me, Bobby, because I'm from Dominican Republic. That's right. And what I do is hit the ball fucking far away. That's right. And give very good haircuts. I appreciate you teaching me 30 years before you become a baseball player that I can be myself and succeed. You never let anyone stop you. Never. Okay? When they tell you you can't play baseball, you do it. When they tell you you can only have one family, you have two. One is a secret. Okay? When they tell you use condoms, fuck that shit. Because who are you? I'm Baby Rodriguez. Who are you? I am Baby Rodriguez. Who are you? I am Baby Rodriguez. The greatest baseball player who ever played. Taught them everything they know. A couple of Broadway babies. 
Um, I heard you guys talk about you'll you'll drink for the studio show, the riffing that you'll. I, I think you said something like you're thirty percent less drunk than you did when you were doing the Viceland show, or whatever. Right. That got you know what? I have no like. You this guys think we're like super drunk? No, I don't, no, you just said it. We so just I'm, said it. No, no, it's not. We're not like drunk. I didn't. We're not uh, drunk. I was it's surprised like as yeah, well. like people. Because I'm gonna say you can't be drunk and riffing yeah, at the same no. time. It's like humanly impossible. Yeah. We take a couple of sips, or whatever. Yeah. You know? This is us on brand. Yeah, yeah that's what people want to see. Yeah, just through like any a normal amount of relaxing. You're not like, oh, yeah. we gotta be you know fucked up to do this. Yeah. It's like we're watching these videos and reacting the same way you guys are, and so we imagine like when yeah. we re- people just like, yo, I got my Bex on deck, yo, I got, gal, I got, I got a little blunt. joint. Duh. So they're like, we're like, alright, so we're gonna get comfortable with you, a little smizzy, and you know, watch these clips. But we're not out here like two yo, sips of like Georgie just like yo. pouring out for her. Except like, for the, that one time I drank a whole glass of gin. And then was, like Sherry got to come in the green room with smelling salts under us. <laughs> so we can have Bernie situation. They can't put makeup on. We're sweating yeah. too profusely. How would you describe the sort of comedy duo dynamic between the two of you? Annoying. I can't stand this guy. <laughs> no. You know what? It doesn't. It's one of those things. It's like when you guys became a comedy duo, I was like, I, I uh, guess when we, we started, started doing comedy together yeah, yeah. <laughs> at the same time. I mean, if we were a comedy duo, we'd probably either be partners checking TSA at LaGuardia or <laughs> perhaps co-defendants on Rikers Island. But no, it's just like it's just like my Bronx brother. We get this. It's it's almost being like the same person but different mm-hmm. because yeah. he has four kids. He has lives a different life than me. But we have such similar views and like yeah. we have the same. Like we can finish each other's jokes and everything. The roots are the same, like, but the tree just grew different. You know what I'm saying? Ooh, like, wow. To get, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> wow. Little... Dominican Maya Angelou wow. over here. You know what I'm saying? That's, Maya Angelou. That's why you know what I'm saying. The cage pigeon sings. I understand why you know the hookah sings. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's true. It's like the the foundation is there, and yeah. we relate to each other like a lot on a lot of different things. But then there's those like diverting diverging points where it's yeah. like, okay, you got four kids, I don't. Like I'm doing this on a weekend, you're doing this on a weekend, yeah, and then we recongregate on a Monday and it's like all right, compare cool. stories. Yeah. Also people will really enjoy the growth because if you listen to like the first episode of Bodega Boys we're just super excited because we just came yeah. back from the VMAs. Yo! And it's just like to, we've met people at the VMAs who was like I hate this I never, and we were just like fam we will go to this for the rest of our lives. This Yo! is so much fun. So that idea of like two Bronx two guys from the Bronx just experiencing life and there's kind of like this wink, wink, nudge to the camera, like, "Yo, we should not be here." Yeah. When yeah. we were at uh the who was it? Alexander Wang. Oh yeah. Alexander Wang fashion. We're in the front row. Anna Wintour is right there. Just like and everyone's just like everyone on Twitter is like, "Why are y'all there?" We're why, like, "Why not?" Why people not? are posting like, "Is that decent?" Vero on, on, at front row at Alexander Wang. I yeah. could we could fear feel Anna glowering at us through her sunglasses. So it's, it's just like, fun. how dare you? Yeah. It's just fun. So it's not really a comedy. Like we're not sitting there writing jokes. It's like, yo, we've experienced this. Now we're just gonna tell listeners. Experience. Just one person set up a little bit more. Like, is one person more of the point guard, or, or I mean, now just like is one person throwing more alley oops, or you feel like it's ultimately kind of your. Equal? I try to keep us on topic, and that's the beauty of it because, like, I'm like, yo, we're going to this point, and Merle's like, no, we're going to talk about ass eating. Yeah. <laughs> but it works out great because even like on the live show, like when we first started doing the podcast, we'd have a run of show, and it was yeah. just like six topics, and then I'd listen out, and I was like, we didn't touch any of those topics because <laughs> we'll try to get somewhere, and Merle would be like, yo. Blah blah blah. That reminds me of this on the four train. And I'm like, oh, no, oh, oh wow, yeah. you know, this happened. Yeah. Ah. So it's like <laughs> you, you know, you running up, you dish the ball, he dishes it back, and then you know, the backboard. We or Miro just chucks up a forty foot three <laughs> with twenty minutes, twenty seconds left on the shot clock. You never know what's gonna happen. You never know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Every game is uh, Jr. Smith has the ball. Every game is. I feel like one of our wildest runs was like he started the story by being like, "Yo, I went glamping this weekend," and like, "Yo, there was these people around us," and he's like, "I was the only." black person there yep. and like people smell 
smoke weed in my tent, so they try to come over here, and they were talking about bears, and, and like, like, you know, bears. The, the lady asked one of the ladies with me, they was like, are you menstruating? And I was like, whoa, whoa, that wasn't in the brochure. They was like, yeah, because the bears could smell, oh. smell blood. So it turned to this whole... Yeah. Probably like, not our cleanest routine, <laughs> but it was pretty pretty entertaining. It involved the Berenstein Bears, and we'll stop it at that. Sure. <laughs> so you've done three. Do you have sort of plans or hopes for what would be a third one for an Emmy? You guys already do make television, but you yeah. there are other people who have Emmys. Yes. Do you have any feelings of how you do another one? We're trying to think of it, and we were thinking, what if we just show up at the Emmys? Because yeah. we're trying to get an Emmy. What if we just run on stage and grab, and grab one and go? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who cares? Let's go to the. the, the what, what, dare what's, somebody. Give yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. Yo, it's a, it's a daytime Emmy. You you ready to die for a daytime Emmy? Do something late. Huh? Do something. Huh? Judy Dench. I Just dare you, her. Susan Lucci. <laughs> <laughs> Another award show we're banned from. <laughs> In interviews from preparing for this, the word authentic comes up a lot. And places that did get it, places that didn't get it. And obviously, you know, there's a history and comedy of sort of truth and comedy. But I was thinking about uh, Sinbad has this quote, which is a comedian and is funnier when he's still riding the bus. Mm -hmm. My question does, what does authentic mean to you? And how has what is authentic evolved since you guys started? I mean, it's always been like our lives, right? Like jokes about our lives, our surroundings, what we go through on a regular basis, stuff we might not know shit about and are mm -hmm. just like spitballing. But like, you know, life obviously has changed like we have a little more money now like we've i have a little more kids now like you know what i'm saying like we live in different places like shit like that so it's just keeping up with that you know what i mean and like not having to make up shit and 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 you know in order to like preserve this like you know authenticity that yeah. we came out of the gate with yeah. the authenticity is like the the fans and the people that that fuck with our stuff watching the growth you know what i mean that's the authentic yeah. the authenticity to 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 speak in, you know, for myself but i feel like my man right here can agree that like the the journey yeah. has, is the authenticity yeah. it's like you you saw us come from wearing like the same t-shirt on every third episode of the complex video series to now motherfuckers are on tv with multiple chains of Versace shirts yeah about keeping it real it's just there's a i hate that term keeping it real because people's like yo you gotta keep it broad and i'm real. like yo i still live in the bronx but things have changed yeah but people have come to expect our certain views from us that have been consistent like yeah. we were raised by immigrants so you know like i'm still very frugal with my money i still like there's times i'll look at like an oversurge and i'm like yeah we're taking the train yeah like <laughs> there's certain things are just so deeply ingrained in you that no matter what level of success you reach you yeah. can't just shake them off and that gives us an interesting perspective on stuff because for example like i'm still concerned about the mta because i still ride the mta every now and then and people on tours like you you're not still riding the train and i'm like yeah ask this girl who just tweeted about we just had a 20 minute conversation but was stuck on the l train yeah like these things that's the authenticity is just like yo are you saying what you really believe? Or are you have you changed out? Like, have you sold out? Yeah. Like, you know, if I'm just like, yeah, the MTA sucks. Like, use our lift code, Bodega Boys 20, to save 20% off your first ride. Yeah. That will kind of change yeah. our relationship with our listeners. And also, we can still relate to the listeners because we yeah. got people like, yo, fam, you got me through a day of a job I hate. And I can still, every now and then I look at my tweets about my last office job and how I hated that job. Yeah. And it's still palpable. I can still feel that rage and like that desire. I'm not doing anything good with my life. And as long as you still have that, I think that keeps that whole comedians are really funny when they're still riding the yeah. bus. That keeps it going. You'll often ask about sort of how certain language has changed or sort of, I guess, for lack of term, political correctness mm -hmm. fits into, how does that fit into sort of your, that, 
model of authenticity. Well, when we first came from, you know, we first started as two guys from the Bronx, and the way people talk in the Bronx is way different yeah. than even the way people talk in Manhattan. And there's certain words that we might have used a couple years ago that we wouldn't use at all. Like, for example, midget. We used to, you know, like, that's hilarious. That's a hilarious word. And then, like, we met this girl. She's our biggest fan. And she was just like, yo, fam, when you say it, you know, yeah, I'm listening to that when you say that. And after that, we were just like, yo, we didn't even think about that. And we, you know, people, there's this whole anger that you can't be, you can't have comedy and, like, you can't joke about marginalized people anymore. And it's like, we're marginalized people. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you're, yeah. you shouldn't punch down in comedy. And so many of our fans are people who get, you know, for lack of a better term, shitted on by other comedians. And they're like, yo, I can listen to your podcast and I know there's not going to be an attack on me. You're not going to just call, like, a racial, like, if we say a racial slur, it's not, we're not saying a racial slur. We're like, yo, this is what this person would have said or this is something that happened to us. Yeah. So it's a different dynamic and we're not trying, like, the whole idea, oh, you PC, you can't say anything. It's just like, yo, fam, like, people love our stuff and, you know, like you can, you can be, you can say stuff for shock value, but how much long longevity are you gonna have? Because the people who rock with that racism and all that shock stuff, they're gonna die out, and there goes your ticket sales. You know what I mean? And the thing is, like, we're not trying to be peace. Like that's yeah. that's, and that comes this because there's two extremes of that spectrum. It's like yeah. the guys that are like, comedy isn't comedy anymore. You should be able to say whatever you want. Blah blah blah. If I can say the N word, why can't you? Yeah. You got that guy, and then you got the other person on the other side of the spectrum where it's like, you know, you can't make fun of anything or blah blah. blah. But like with us, it's just self. It's it's a natural progression. Like it wasn't like yo, we gotta chill because yeah. this. It's moments like that where we meet people that are from marginalized groups or whatever, or like or just like, educate yourself. Yeah, yeah. just well, educate yourself. Authentic to the fact that you've learned, you communicate that like we learn not to say that. Right? Yeah. You don't just like change your like. Oh, I I remember listening to an old episode and you're you would say the word crazy. And you're like, oh, I mean, like you're it's like really wild. I say wild. Yeah. Like, in your head, you're yeah. like say on air. You see yeah. yourself. Be like, correct yourself, which is, I think, a thing that you don't hear a lot of people do. That's right. why we came up with the problematic light on the podcast. People think that's a joke, but that's really like, yo, yo we're kind of wilding. Yeah. Like, bring it down a notch. Be, and it's like, it's kind of, not to get too deep, it's uh, in the book of the Bible, Psalms. They have the Hebrew term salah, which means quiet reflection. I'm getting deep on y'all. Sure. But that's what it's supposed to be. It's be like, yo, think about what you just said and why what you just said was wrong. You mentioned punching up and punching down. When you guys first started, you guys were people that hated their jobs, that like got this break. So you were like roasting celebrities. They're mm -hmm. like these people up on the ivory towers. But now you are a little bit more successful. How has it affected how you choose, how you talk about certain people? Well, if you look at it, when we first started, it's a lot more anger. Yeah. yeah. Well, a lot. Because you know what? It was just like, yo, fuck you. You made it and we're never going to make it. So there's that anger now. It's kind of changed. People are just like, yo, you don't roast these celebrities anymore because they're your friends. It's like, no, like they're actual people. Like we've actually met this person. Yeah. It's just like, yo, this person, like we know this certain comment is super hurtful to this person. So we wouldn't say it. Like we can still make playful jabs. With, like we still roast CeCe Sabathia. Yeah. We still Jesse cook our Williams friends. And people but, like that. Like, yeah. And also, you know, it's kind of changed because certain people, we know they can't take a joke. Yeah. So it's like, why even broach the topic with them? Yeah. In a bit like this, where you're sort of hanging out with celebrities, or anytime you do stuff with celebrities, how do you make sure that is authentic to your experiences when you are doing thing with these icons that you know will be a big deal to sort of people? You know, you could kind of, you could test the water. You say a joke and see how far it would go or be like, if they're like, yo, chill with that. And some people come and they're from the jump. They're like, do not joke about this. Don't bring yeah. this up. And in that case, you're just like, 
uh, all right, we won't do that. But then and there's always people who are just like, yo, anything. Like, I'm just happy to be here. Yeah. And that's the best. That's when it's a natural reaction. Or, like, you can just throw in something, like, something wild, risque. Like, when we ha hang with Tracy Morgan, we could just throw out something wild. And it He'll just makes whatever. the interview yeah. he, so much more fun. Just started, What's man? the wildest part you've taken your shirt off at? The China Club. Ooh. Yeah, they caught me in, but the post caught me in. Yeah. Caught me kissing some chick feet. <laughs> I'm a toga. I'm a freak. I'm, yeah. I'm a freak, man. I'm a weedy beedy bing, bing bong freak. I'm over here. I'm over here pro ENS. Are you pro ENS? Yes. Oh, crazy. Yes. <laughs> if you eat pussy, you eat ass. It ain't but that far apart, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's, a bridge, over, right that's a bridge over troubled water, man. <laughs> Everybody knows. I fucks with the brown eye. But like when you're talking to John Legend or like uh, someone like Jordan Peele, do you try to make sure? you capture sort of like how exciting it is that you're talking to this person like Try I, to think be it just, I think it just comes through naturally. Yeah. And people are kind of, it's funny, if you look on our Instagram, people are just like, why are you guys like uh, smiling so hard? I was like, fam, we just hung out all day with Jordan Peele. Like, wouldn't you be smiling? Wouldn't you be show all your pearly whites? You know what I mean? We just, we just interviewed Wu-Tang for three hours. Like, I think the most excited anyone's ever seen us was probably the last episode of our old show. We interviewed Mike Francesa, and everyone's like, why? Why are you was so like, you had Diddy this? on there. You had, like, Eric Holt. I was like, it's Whoopi the Pope. Goldberg. It's Mike Francesa. You don't yeah. understand. Like, you don't understand. Okay? You don't understand. It's a New York icon. He's a legend, okay? Jesus, I heard you talking about one time about early on when you were gaining Twitter followers there were these people that wouldn't get the jokes. They didn't get the context mm -hmm. in which they were coming still from. Still there. They're still yeah. there. So, I mean, now it's even more so. You're on a network. Mm -hmm. People are like, they're just flipping through and like yeah. over these guys. How do you balance trying to let people in without trying to sort of have to over-explain yourself? You know, at this point, it's no longer my responsibility. Yeah. Like, yeah. the other, the, the internet is context and the fans will tell them because you'll have people and they're just like, yo, you're racist. You said this. And they'll be like, have you ever heard of satire? It's just like, at this point, I can't spoon feed people irony anymore. Like, if you're not able to read context clues, like, you're going to have a tough time on social media. And then also some things are just so blatant. Like, it's just so over the top. Like, if you can't get this, fam, you're watching the wrong channel. Yeah. Go watch Paw Patrol or something because you're not going to get, like, 90% of the references on the show. Yeah. Like, the fucking, the whole shit going on with the Dominican Republic. Everybody's all up my ass. Well, what, what do you have to say about this? What do you have to say about this? And I'm just like, yo, don't be fucking... You know, don't be a fucking jerk off. Don't walk around with like six chains on on, a, on an island where people are starving. You know what I mean? Like, that's basically that's my take on it. You know what I mean? But it's just shit, like, bro. Like, if you don't if you don't get it, you, you're not gonna get it. Yeah. You know, you, or you don't want to get it. You also, know what I mean? People, are, I feel like people are sometimes looking to be obtuse on Twitter because yeah. my Paul McCartney, my tweet about uh, Kanye discovered Paul McCartney. To this day, I still have people. Oh, actually, I'm like, fam, that tweet is like from 2016. <laughs> yeah. You really think you're the first person? There's a, literally a thread underneath it of people correcting me. But it's just like, that person, did that person really come on Twitter to have a conversation with me? Or did this person just want to just be belligerent and fight? And search Paul so McCartney. So in that case, it's like, reason. why even extend the energy to this yeah. person? The Bronx. The actual uh, day. Uh -huh. uh, so, I mean, like, there's, there's a give and take in terms of representing a place. There's sort of... It's it's there's something creative that there's like, oh, there's meaning to what we're doing. But also there's sort of like when you are the face of a borough, you're like, well, that's not my experience. Like, mm -hmm. I don't you know, yeah. what is the balance you try to strike between representing and like how I guess the question is sort of how much you feel sort of burdened and how much you sort of motivated by 
being sort of these faces. Oh, I love it. I love representing the Bronx because when I walk through my neighborhood, I have people coming. I have old people coming up to me. I have young people coming up to me and like they're shaking and they're like, thank you for representing. You and Meryl represent the Bronx because every other person like bounces from the Bronx or never Mm -hmm. mentions they're from the Bronx. Do you have such a horrible... The media viewpoint of the Bronx is just like, it's a, just a war zone. It's just a shithole with wild dogs and potholes. And they're like, you guys make me proud to say I'm from the Bronx. I can hold up my head high. Even Ruben Diaz Jr., he's just like, yo, you guys are amazing what you're doing for the Bronx. And we have had people who's just like, well, I've lived in the Bronx my whole life, and that's not my experience. And I was like, yeah, that's your experience. Okay, because all but these that, people we know, well, this is the experience yeah. they had. You can also, the maybe you live in Riverdale. <clears throat> maybe that's not technically the Bronx, but that's whatever. You Sorry can say Chase. that about like, <laughs> you, but you can say that about literally every borough. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you said about Queens, Brooklyn, Staten Island, everywhere. It's just like there's so many. There's such a diverse group of people in the Bronx that it's like, even if you're not from that group, you know or have a friend in that group, and they mm-hmm. speak to you yeah. about how what their experience, and you tell them about your experiences, and it's just like a collaborative type of thing. So like, if I have a friend who's like. Albanian or something like that and he's telling me what it's like to be Albanian on Pelham Parkway I'm like okay cool like now I have this information that I can use in like you know a little joke or whatever in the future or whatever but it's all just experience you know what I mean like and and learning from other people and talking having that dialogue with other people I remember a guy online he was giving he was like why do you guys uh, you guys go so hard on NYPD you act like they're all racist like Mm -hmm. Italian accents I was like fam that's kind of our experience with NYPD I go to a Yankee game and this cop's like, yo, come here, come here. And I'm like, oh, wow, I'm going to jail tonight. He taps his partner. He's like, do Officer Prosciutto. Do Officer Prosciutto. <laughs> and I do it. He goes, that's Sal. That's Sergeant Salvatore. He's like, oh, Sal. my come God. Oh, Sal. my God. That's Sal. I, I think I heard you talk about in an interview, Jesus, that your dad was a photographer and yeah. would take photographers, uh, specifically during the Bronx's dirt burning period. Yes. Do you all feel that you have a similar role with what you do with your art in terms of capturing the Bronx? In- uh, not until this moment, I didn't. But yeah, it's... it's in what way I think about it like when people... I think more in the future when people go back and listen to this podcast. Did we capture this particular moment in the Bronx? The Bronx is super hot right now. We got Cardi B, we got us, Remy Ma, French Montana, AOC. And it's just like, are we... Like, are we writing the history the right way? Because if yeah. we don't write that history, someone else is going to write the history and then completely change the narrative. So it does kind of feel the same way. And I know it sounds gas, but I think in the future, like our podcast is probably going to be studied because it's like there's nothing else like it. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't disagree, man. Like there's there's things that are so Bronx specific in the podcast that like you literally need to Google them if yeah. you're not from the Bronx. Sure. Like people you know are like, because we're like, yo, we got beef with Robert Morris. They're like, why? why? And I was like, because he, he destroyed yeah. the Bronx with the Major Deegan. They're like, what? I'm what, like, what yeah, you go about? read a book. Like, yeah. and they're like, I did not know that. There's yeah. a very, there's a famously long book about it. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the reason why, even though I went to College of Mount St. Vincent on 200, and uh, 242nd, West 242nd Street in the Bronx, and I live on, I lived at the time on East 233rd Street, you can't walk across. Yeah. Because you put the big park and the highway through to keep Bronx residents from talking to each other. Robert Moore, oh, <laughs> I see you. <laughs> okay, I want to talk a little bit more about this new phone service called Visible. See, a lot of phone services these days are a bit sneaky, not unlike John Turturro's character in Mr. Deeds. They tack on hidden fees to your phone bill and hope you don't notice. Not visible. With Visible, you get unlimited everything, including data at speeds up to 5 megabits per second on Verizon's 4G LTE network for just 40 bucks a month. Flat. Every time. That's it. Transparency is like their whole deal. No tricks, no shenanigans, no BS. Which I gotta say is uh, pretty chill. If you want to learn more, check out Visible.com. Now, back to the show.
Donald Trump is president. Uh, I've talked to a variety. Oh, shit, for real? Yeah, it's crazy, right? <laughs> what? I, I have to check I, my Twitter today. Yo, yo, I thought he was still doing that stupid show where he fired people. Which, by the way, we would have been on if he yeah, had probably, just kept doing yeah. it. Sadly, that, that's the real <laughs> loss of him being president. You guys couldn't be on. Just imagine Donald Trump, like, you're fired, both of you. I'm like, <laughs> both of you fired. I'm like what? Why? I don't know why you're But our cupcake business was profitable. I don't care. It's, I, you, you, you have a cupcake, you're fired. But, like, I mean, I've talked to a lot of late night hosts about sort of what their goals are and sort of the responsibility. And preparing for this, I was listening to the episode you guys recorded of your podcast right after the election. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about it. And then for some reason, you talk about. Meryl buying a horse, and then you talk about that for so long, and you do not remember why you were talking about it. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. And um, and then I was thinking, you know, and, and then Larry Wilmer, you you talked about if your show would be as popular if Trump wasn't president. So I mean, the question is is, is a few questions, but sort of what do you feel your your responsibility is, or what is your hope, but also what is a value of a bit like this and your show, the parts that are not about Trump as a thing for people that are living in Trump now, sort of what is your whole show as it exists in Trump America? What is sort of your objective? I think it's kind of a bomb or maybe like caffeine to keep people from getting burned out. Yeah. Cause it's just been a long three years and like people who had like resistance in their bio and no, every day they resist. were tweeting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like though, you we're go to the Twitter accounts now, they're like, yeah. yeah, he admitted he'll take like foreigners. Like, what do you do? It's uh. so defeating and people feel so broken. And it's just like, I used to like religiously watch MSNBC and like MSNBC is like breaking news, Trump did this and Mueller's going to do that. And then nothing happened. And now people are just like, it's just kind of like, yo, can we all just get through this together? And people the say they come was... to our show and they watch it and they're yeah. just like, it's just like, it just gives you a chance to exhale and maybe take your mind off of how bad things really are and how powerless people feel. Because yes, we could be there like, call your congressman, call your, it's like, yo, every other show is doing that. They'll hear, enjoy this person crashing a car into a gas station. After the Mueller report came out and it looked like it was printed on a printer that had mad extra toner on it, yeah. in it, it was just like, all right, this is not nothing's gonna happen here yeah. like this guy's gonna <laughs> run out his presidency it's like watching a bad contract on a team you really like and the guy that is in very much decline mm-hmm. you're just like fuck this guy we owe this guy 200 million dollars for the next five years ah! and you just pulling your hair out but then yeah. at a certain point it's just like all right cool it is what it is like you know also there's so many weird moments in pres- presidency yeah. that didn't happen in other presidencies like the whole is the melania have a clone that's so ridiculous but at the same time it's so plausible yeah we have to cover that on the show. And it's just like, you can't expect Chris Hayes or Rachel Maddow to cover that on the show and be taken seriously. But we could be like, yo, we're not saying he does, but, but it'd be wild if he did. Yo. And we're able to, in that context, yeah. because it's not like, yo, here's politics. It's like, here's something weird that happened in Washington. Look at it from that angle. Going back to what we were talking about, how do you feel like that perspective on how to do it is authentic to the perspective that you guys are com- You know, you had no idea six years ago that this would be, but absolutely not. But considering that, how do you feel like that is the authentic thing that represents the type of? The, I think that's the, like the, the every man. It's like the every man response. You know what I mean? Like we're two regular dudes, and like we're responding to this stuff the same way you would at yeah. home. You know what I mean? Like, like what? This guy can't like he has this weird fidgeting thing with his hand on paper. Like he can, he needs to hold a water bottle with two hands to drink it. Like what the fuck is going on here? Why is this tie forty feet long? Like even like when you long for the days of G W Bush, you know what I'm saying? Like shit is really real. You know what I mean? And it's just like it's not even political stuff at this point. It's just like this guy's just a fucking weirdo. Yeah. You well, know what I mean? The name like, of our podcast is Bodega Boys, and the reason for that is one night it's like 4 a.m. I'm going to the Bodega to get a chopped cheese, the actual food I eat. I'm probably gonna close my heart to explode one night. <laughs> but I go into the Bodega, I order the chopped cheese, and there's a couple of cab drivers, and they are arguing with the Bodega owner. 
And one of them turns to me and he's like, settle this for me. Is it true you can't copy the Quran? And I was like, what? And they were having this hot, impassioned debate with no facts. And none of them, they all kind of knew or didn't know. And I was like, wow, that's how people discuss politics and barbershops and bodegas. It's like, I don't know the Russian ambassador's name. Yeah. But you tell them, there's like, I kind of heard, like, he's giving secrets to some Russian yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's not it's not fact-based. It's not like we're not bringing out, like, polls and, like, 51% of these people say. It's just like... Yo, fam, this is what we heard. Yeah. Like, maybe you guys could, like, clarify this or whatever. Or, like, we might bring someone on that knows better. But we're just like, yo, fam, we know enough about politics to talk about it. But we're not setting ourselves up as experts. Bruh. We're not here like, yo, I studied for four years. I know everything no. about geopolitics. No. We're just two guys. We're watching the news like you and trying to make the best of it. Twitter was so important, as we said, to your sort of rise and your reconnecting. You know, generally people talk about how Twitter is a worse place now. Mm -hmm. Uh what is your relationship to it now? Are you happy that you have an outlet that is healthier, maybe? Oh, uh, Twitter is in a death cycle, and yeah. it's circling around the drain, and it doesn't have much time left. And I say this, sorry, Jack, but when I say this, it's probably like five years or whatever. But Twitter is so weird right now because there's like a new generation of Twitter. Do you have people that have been on Twitter since 08? Yeah. If you've been on Twitter since 08, you've seen every possible tweet that's ever going to be made in yeah. the existence of humankind. But then you have people who are just joining. Yeah. And now, like, say you just say you're like bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, like, oh, someone told me about Twitter, and you create an account today, and you're like, good morning, Twitter. Everyone's like, get out of here, you Russian bot. <laughs> Fuck like, you, it's just, egg. It's so it's still oh, just, two followers. Oh, wow, wow, must be wow. blocked. Get blocked, and it's just like it's so hostile. And then every you got people on Twitter doing it for grifting, or people yes. were just like, yo, yeah. I saw you got a TV show off of it, so I'm gonna follow. And it's like that was never the game yeah. path for us. Twitter is a completely different beast than it was now. And then also back in the early days, Twitter was more a personal journal. That was like, yo, I feel like this this day. I feel like this. Now it's just like super yo, tribal. You were like, like yo. you don't like people talking loud in bodegas. You're canceled, and you now what? they just drag you for a whole day. You're like, what? What is like? I feel like you know the starting of a family matters. Like, whatever happened to respectability? <laughs> don't like, ever say that you don't like Eminem on Twitter. I deal. <laughs> don't please. Yeah, his fans go hard. It, do they it, go do, super do, hard. Do I think they for, might like hip hop more family. than we do. If you have a family. Yeah. So in terms of that, was your outlet six, seven years ago? How's it? I'm a therapist now, yeah. covered by my insurance. That's what you now have. That's my outlet. Anymore. I don't need Twitter That's to complain about life. I can just go see Doc. The Doc. You'd be surprised how many secrets I tell my dog while yeah. walking him. You know, late night is a thing where once you get on a roll, the goal is to get on a roll and then just like not not stop innovating, but figure out what your groove is. Mm -hmm. And I think you guys figured out. But I always am interested in a thing that you're doing so many episodes. For you guys, what is a good episode and what is a, a not good episode? When we get back in the green room, we just kind of flop in the chair. We're just kind of sweaty. Yeah. Like that, our, our physical reaction, that's when we know we've had a good show because that means he's been laughing, I've been laughing, the audience is in it. And that's happening more and more as cause, because shout out to Showtime, to, you know, giving us two nights a week now. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like we've knocked off all the dust. We're back. You know, like I would say we're the Warriors, but you saw how that ended. Yeah. Um, and we're just, we're just, we're hitting all our passes, we're hitting our jokes, the audience is laughing, the crew is laughing. And you know, be like, there's always a little trepidation before I watch every episode because I'm like a perfectionist and I yeah. just assume every episode is going to just destroy our careers because we said something wild but then after as you watch it and i'm just sitting there like wow that was a great episode so anytime it's just like we're just in sync or when we get off the actual stage and we go back in the office and you can hear the editors editing it and you hear them laughing as they're editing it you just do like a little fist pump like yeah 
Or when the stage director laughs. When the, when the stage director is laughing in the middle of, like, trying to be like... Yeah, because her job is to corral cats. Like, she has to keep us on track. Like, yeah. If she's, like... Shout out to April, because, like, her job... She's, she, has, she, has, she has so much patience, because she's yeah. just like, yeah, start over, guys. So, like, we're, like, cracking up because we can't pronounce something. It's literally... She's, like, our... She's our kindergarten teacher. Do you... Have you had... I guess worst epi- bad episodes yet, or you're still so excited that you have this show that you have not been able to be like. We, oh, have, it. we haven't had a bad episode. We did have a kind of a beard like game. a beard ma- yeah. mishap in the first. If episode. you look on first episode, our beards are super dark. <laughs> They're out of control. Have They're you ever seen of- that viral clip of the darkest material on earth? Yeah. yeah. Well, apparently we made our beards off of that. <laughs> yeah. But that's like our it's one wild. complaint about the show. Yeah. NASA did our beards for the first episode, and then they. Uh, you know they're doing moon science now in an episode this season after Mero drank a shot out of a silicon foot that had a vagina, vagina built in, yeah. um jesus you said that's why you're not getting an emmy um but <laughs> you know we joke about egot stuff mm-hmm. but you know emmy is a thing you can actually be nominated for right um what would it mean for you right now to be nominated for an emmy and what would it mean or do you think it might mean to a sort of 10 year old Versions of you that exist now, so Amizas and Darrow, <laughs> to those generations of kids right now who are watching you guys. Well, it's funny. People from the Bronx, because they know, they know this possible. They're just like, fam, if you guys get an Emmy, we might burn the Bronx down. People are so excited. We got a uh, shout out to Bronx 12 News, the local news. They were like, you got to come by with the, there might be a parade. Because it's just the idea that two people just came from nothing, started this organic word of mouth joking and had, could possibly get an Emmy, could possibly be on that Emmy stage throwing up the X. It's just so, it's like you allow yourself to dream growing up in the Bronx, you don't allow yourself to dream this big. Like yeah. our big dream was like, yo, a $40,000 a year job yo, with benefits yo, and maybe a Nissan Ultima. Son. But now it's like, yo, sky is the limit. Going to sanitation, you know what I'm saying? Going to retire 40. And then the idea that GTR. the Bronx and just, not even just Bronx, our fans, people have been with us from day one, people on Twitter, people mm-hmm. who are just like, yo, these guys look like me, they sound like me, I get their humor. It will mean, I think it will mean a lot more for other people than for us. I mean, like, for us, no doubt. Like, if we get an Emmy, we're putting it on a chain and wearing it all the time. <laughs> but just, it kind of reminds, reminds me of that speech Lupita gave, where yeah. she was just like, we're, no matter where you're from, you matter. Yeah. And I think that would just really reinforce it for the, so many people, just like, yo, fam, believe in yourself and you too can make it happen. What would it be for you to, to have a dream this big? What is it like living in that? It's dope, man. It's dope. I'm like honestly, like I out of the three siblings, I'm one of three. Yeah. Like my my other two are more traditionally successful, right? Like my brother works up in like doing government stuff up in Binghamton, and my sister is a nurse at NYU Langone. So like with them, it's just like, okay, my mom is like, very good. That's you know, immigrant <laughs> first generation. It's like that's what that great. You have exactly good benefits. Planned, that's yeah. exactly what I wanted you to do. And to and 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 now my mom is just like, oh, okay. So you could just lend me twenty five hundred dollars whenever I need it. I was like, I guess you do have a career. It's funny like, people come up to me and they're just like, yo, you're on TV. I'm like, yeah. This is wild. Yeah, I'm, I'm like people were like, yo, you're Jesus. I was like, yo, you know who I am. Yeah, like I'm we more excited. I'm more excited than you are. <laughs> yeah, like I'll sit there and chop it up with people for twenty four. They're like, yeah, I gotta go to work. Like I was just saying hello. Like I didn't yeah. expect. Yeah, because I'm just like, what do you want to do? What do you? That's that's amazing. What do you watch? Show? Do you listen to the podcast? You would you get that shirt from? <laughs> you want to be best friends? Let's hang out. Let's go yeah. to the beer garden. Yeah. It's wild because it's like there's been a handful of people that are like, nah, I'm good. But I don't. Yeah. I don't need to take yeah, a I picture. Because we're like, say, hey, yo, you want to take a picture? You want to take a picture? Or they're like, yo, my mother, my mother loves your show. I'm like, Facetime right now right now here take my wi-fi matter of fact we'll use my phone yeah (laughs) 
So that sound means it's time for our final segment. It's called the laughing round. It's like a lightning round, but because it's comedy, it's a. Ha-ha. Thank you. Oh, now who's doing puns? Oh, man. Oh, that was a big <laughs> it was pun. Story. I hope, I hope you guys can be like, we love puns. The next pun we hear. <laughs> big pun. Yeah. That's my favorite that's gonna, pun. That's going to be on the podcast. You know it's uh, going to be like a super villain. <laughs> um, is there a segment from another late night show that you've ever watched that you wish, oh, I wish we guys could do that? Fuck no. Oh, <laughs> uh, Conan O'Brien with the moving lips. I love that. That, that was, was yeah, so much yeah, fun. Yeah, my God, that's funny. Some late night shows get an ice cream from Ben and Jerry's. Mm-hmm. What would be in the Jesus and Mario? It'd be wow. rum and raisin and uh, fried pork ears. Yeah, yeah. wow, yeah. Yeah, it would have to be lactose-free. Lactose-free. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very disappointing. <laughs> um, if you see it at your bodega, you are definitely, your neighborhood's getting gentrified. <laughs> so we are during, this is being recorded during the off-season. The, the Knicks have a lot of money to spend and <laughs> lots of question marks. What is sort of the best case and or what is the worst case scenario of what will happen at the end of the summer? I mean, to me, I feel like the best case, like the worst case scenario they're both good, in my opinion, and this is this is the this is the Knicks cocaine talking. Sure. Uh, the best scenario is we sign KD regardless of the Achilles injury, see what happens, mm-hmm. and just throw a season another season down the tubes. We got the number three pick. RJ Barrett is very good. He's very good. People forget that he's really good because Zion Williams could jump over a building. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But like he's really really good, and everybody on that team is like 19 and 20 years old. So it's just like. You got a young, future, exciting team. That's the worst case scenario. Best case scenario is we land like Kawhi Leonard or somebody like that and then like pair them up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's 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 the best case scenario. That's the big collage. You know, uh, worst case scenario, best case scenario, worst case scenario is they win 21 games this season. Woohoo. Best case scenario is they win 21 games, but at least at one of those games, We'll be on the jumbotron. <laughs> we'll give New Yorkers some hope. They'll be like, yo, our guys! No! Yo, our guys! They're like, the Knicks are down by 42 points. The NBA says we must call the game. <laughs> Do you guys know any joke jokes? Like straight up street jokes? As a child, my mother used to told me this recently. My father used to just tell me dirty jokes all the time to the point where I would repeat them. Mm-hmm. And she had to tell me to stop saying them. My father would get in trouble with it. One of the jokes was, what do you call, what do you call two guys walking a nipple? What? Two men walking abreast. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh god. And the funniest thing is my father has this Jamaican laugh. So he's like <laughs> And he just does that for like five minutes. It's the greatest thing ever. Oh my god. I I'm not even gonna lie. My kids have joke books. Yeah. And I and I read them and I'm like, wow, these are really bad dad jokes. Like, you know. Come like on. I, I, there's a peanut and a pistachio in a jar of nuts. What does a peanut say to the pistachio? That cashew's nuts. <laughs> you ever roasted kids like boo? You <laughs> right, got to nah, them like a yo, that was trash, bro. You got you want me to come dress like Sandman and hook them up when they tell you a bad joke? <laughs> and my kids look at me like I don't get it, and I'm like, yo, it's good that you don't. Yeah, you don't want to. You it. don't want to get it. <laughs> it's worse to get it. <laughs> That's it. Aww. Do you guys want to do a close off? Yo, shout out to New York Magazine. I'm saying, uh, 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 shout out to the Bronx. Not to be I'm confused saying. with New Yorker, which Thank when you. I worked at the library caused me so <laughs> much problems. I was like, it's the same magazine. He was like, it's not. It's not. Okay. New York is the one with the weird cartoons. Yeah. So shout out to letting us rock on this podcast. Shout out to all the listeners. You know, shout out to you. This was fun, man. Thank you. Also, we got, we got New York fitted caps. That's right. You know what I'm saying? So we could be literary while looking felonious. Ah, pow. And the denim. Dad, listen. Denim. So this, is, this is sweet. Listen to that. Little ASMR. Yo, listen. When I throw that on with the Sean John jeans, it's over. We're rock motherfuckers this summer, boy, with the Wallabies.
That's it for another episode of Good One. Decent Marrow airs Monday and Thursdays on Showtime. The Bodega Boys podcast comes out every Monday. You buy tickets for their Miami, Austin, LA, Houston, and Dallas shows on bodegahive.com. Follow Jesus on Twitter, at JesusNice, and Marrow at the Kid Marrow. Good One is produced by Mike Comte with production assistance from Jessamine Molly and research help from Serena Devi. Justin D. Wright did our theme song. Write a review and rate the show on Apple Podcasts. Five stars? Please. And hey, if you know anyone who might like the podcast, maybe tell them what the heck. You can email any comments, questions, or laughing around suggestions to goodonepodcast at gmail.com. I'm Jesse David Fox, and you can follow me at Jesse David Fox. We'll be back next week with a new episode and a new joke. Have a good one. That was a HeadGum Podcast.